arrived at this church, I was told that Morningstar had signed up to be part of a year-round stewardship training. Um, stewardship just means how does a church manage its money, essentially. And um, that we had signed, that the church had signed up for a year-round stewardship training with an organization called the Methodist Foundation, which I thought was funny because when I was serving in Texas, it was called the Texas Methodist Foundation. And in New Mexico, we were like, it's just the Methodist Foundation, Texas. Um, and I, I know it's a little different, and, and uh, there's some nuances to that, which I don't know if I've ever told you my favorite joke before I moved to Texas. My favorite joke before I moved there was that anytime somebody moves from New Mexico to Texas, the average IQ of both states goes up. <laughs> but then I moved there, and it, it wasn't my favorite joke anymore. So uh, we went to this training, and I met a man uh, named John. And John stood before us and would teach and talk, and there was something about his spirit that I felt drawn to. And then I had John come and lead our board through a board retreat to help us figure out what it means to be a single board. And I felt like I was going to cry all day long when he was talking. Just the Spirit of God was speaking to me through him. And so when we found out that he was coming back to Las Cruces, and actually was here yesterday teaching more on year-round stewardship, I contacted him and said, John, will you come and preach at the church on Sunday morning and then do some more stuff Sunday afternoon because basically, selfishly, I can't get enough of him. And so um, uh, John was gracious and said, yeah. So my friend John Thornburg is here uh, to share the word of God with us this morning. And I'm so excited that you're all here. And I'm really frustrated with the people who didn't show up because they found out the preacher wasn't preaching. Because the preacher is preaching today, and um, you're, in, you're in for a treat, and I hope that your hearts and minds are open and ready to receive what Reverend John Thornburg has to, to bring to us this morning. So, John, come on up. bring you greetings from the Methodist Foundation. <laughs> and I'm delighted to be here with my colleague, Scott Sharp, who represents the foundation in all its work here in New Mexico. He's recently come to this job, and uh, so it's just such a pleasure to welcome him to the staff and to the work in New Mexico. Um, I have received the most extraordinary hospitality Scott and I both, um, yesterday when we arrived in this beautiful building and had food uh, that was glorious and, and we're just overwhelmed. And then last night it continued at Ross and Michelle's home and, and, and with Emery just having this wonderful sense of welcoming us. And, and uh, so, so I'm a happy and blessed man. Um, now, before I read the scripture, there, there is just this tiny little audible, I'm going to call it the line of scrimmage, Ross. And it, <laughs> and it has to do with how I was overcome with the fact that you're mailing these 5,000 cards out into the neighborhood. Now, in our work, Scott and I get to visit a lot of churches. And I guarantee that 99.49% of them say, we're a friendly church. 
Okay, are you with me so far? And about 99.44% of them, the real truth is, they're friendly toward each other. It's a whole nother step to be the ones who are in prayer right now for the people who will receive that card in the mail in the coming days. I want to invite you to pray for those who, who look at the card and throw it away because they think that the church has nothing for them. I want you to pray for the ones who look at the card and a tear comes to their eye because they know that there's something in their life that's missing and they can't name it, and they're not sure that church is the place, but, but something's happening. And I want you to pray for the ones who decide that, th that something's missing, and they get in the car and they come here, but when they start to turn into the parking lot, they can't do it. Do you know there are people who do that? And I want you to pray for the people who turn into the parking lot and they sit in their car for a long time, wondering what it'll be like if they actually walk in. And when they arrive, chances are most of them will be pretty frightened. And for them to hear a word from you that says, we couldn't be more glad, I couldn't be more glad to meet you today. So glad you came. Tell me about you. Boy, God could do something mighty here. Something really mighty. So don't be the kind of church that are just friendly toward each other. And I'm not saying you are, because we, we've seen otherwise. But every church, every church has the possibility of taking a step up uh, in that radical, extravagant kind of welcome. So, you with me? Now, listen for the extravagant word of God as it's proclaimed by God's servant, the evangelist Luke. This, this is chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax-collecting business, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore tree beside the road so he could watch from there. When Jesus came by, he, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. Would you be the grumble grumble? Okay. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious 
Sinner, they grumbled. Notorious, notorious. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there. And then he said to the Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham, and I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. Friends, it's the word of God. So travel with me, will you, to the city of Jericho, not far from Jerusalem, to the moment in Jesus's earthly ministry in which he knew he must go to Jerusalem and face death at the hands of imperial power. He had said several times to his disciples that this is what he must do. But their ears were clogged with what they wanted him to say. So they continued to move toward Jerusalem as if the coming years would be filled with one healing miracle after another and one hillside feeding of 5,000 after another. Now when Jesus reached Jericho, a massive crowd had gathered. One of those crowds that are 10 deep along the roadside, where you were only going to see the main attraction if you were tall or pushy. One in the crowd was neither. And Luke, the gospel writer, carefully describes five things about this person. His name is Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector. He was loaded he was short. And lastly, he was very eager to see Jesus, though the scripture is mystifyingly silent on why. Don't you sometimes wish James Michener had written the Bible? <laughs> so we'd get a little more. Come on, Luke. Yeah, it would be longer. That's true. Yeah, yeah it would weigh a lot, wouldn't it? Yeah. What Luke doesn't say, because his original readers knew how to fill in the blanks, was that Zacchaeus was despised. How come? Because in Jesus' time, in order to collect taxes from the Jews, the Romans hired other Jews, in this case Zacchaeus, and in essence, gave him a performance incentive to get all the taxes collected that he could. So Zacchaeus hired underlings to go out and put the screws on the people. When all said and done, Zacchaeus was an errand boy for the Romans. So can you understand 
why he was so deeply resented by the people. Well, because he was short and eager, he did two things that were considered completely undignified in biblical times. He ran. Does that come as a surprise? It was considered undignified. And he climbed in a tree. Grown men, just not supposed to do that. Now, in the astonishing brevity that characterizes biblical narrative, you know, like we hear the story of Pentecost in about 20 words. Uh, we hear that Jesus has entered Jericho, notices Zacchaeus in the tree, speaks to him, all in 26 words, most of which are short, just like him. And here is what Jesus says. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay in your house today. Now, things unfold quickly. In the space of another 40 words or so, we hear that Zacchaeus bounds down the tree rejoicing. That's what the literal Greek says. That the bystanders are really mad that Jesus um, has chosen the turncoat errand boy for the Romans. And that Zacchaeus says to Jesus that he's going to give half of his possessions to the poor, and if he's defrauded anyone, he'll pay them back four times over. Okay, I want to pause here and simply ask, is anyone beginning to see the connection between joy and generosity? Okay, hold on to that. Let's keep going. So I want to point out that the gospel writer Luke's use of the word today, it's really amazing. Um, as in when Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I want to stay in your house today. And salvation has visited your house today. Okay, this is audience participation, so here we go. Today is, today is clearly one of Luke's favorite words. And we hear this word at several key moments in the life of Jesus and his ministry. At the moment of his birth, the angel announces to the astonished shepherds out in the field, to you is born today. in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. After Jesus returns to the synagogue in his hometown very early in his ministry and preaches an amazingly radical sermon that really upsets them, uh, based on the prophet Isaiah, uh, he ends the sermon by saying, Today. Today this scripture has been filled in your hearing. A after the disciples witness Jesus healing a paralyzed man, they are amazed and they say, We have seen strange things. Today. And when Jesus hangs upon the cross, flanked by two thieves, one of the thieves desperately cries out to him and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds to him, does he not? Truly, I tell you, Today. you will be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not a week from now. Today. Friends, disciples are people who are ready for God's offer of today. Is there anyone in the sanctuary this morning that's glad that, that when Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I need to stay in your house today, that Zacchaeus said yes? Anybody out there glad he said yes? I am. Now, contrary to what's taught 
in Vacation Bible School, the power of this story is not that Zacchaeus is short. Relevant, perhaps. And, and the power of this story is not that Zacchaeus dutifully, dutifully offered Jesus a place to sleep. The power of this story is that Zacchaeus accepted Jesus' laser-like, love-infused offer to be free of his status as an errand boy for the Romans. That's the power. Disciples say yes to the hope-producing, despair-crushing, in-breaking of Jesus. And they inspire others to accept the gift of new life that Jesus continues to offer. You bet the bystanders grumbled. All they could see in the tree was an errand boy they despised. Aren't you glad that what Jesus saw was a disciple in waiting? I'm glad. Okay, now let's go back to the tie between joy and generosity. <laughs> Anybody notice I'm preaching a sermon about money? And don't you usually say, we don't want our preacher to preach about money. Okay, I'll take up. Okay, I'll take you up on that. I'll just let Jesus do the talking. Because he does a lot of talking about this. And it's all about freedom. That's what it's about. Okay, so let's go in slow motion. Because, you know, if there's a... We want, we want the great motion picture director to do a film on Luke 19, take it frame by frame. So here we go. Zacchaeus is in the tree. A despised man in an undignified place. Imagine the expression on Jesus' face. Uh, excuse me. Imagine the expression on Zacchaeus' face as Jesus is approaching. Scripture gives us no actual clue um, to what that expression was. But, so you get to supply one. You get to do that. It's, it's, what, it's what we sometimes call using your sanctified imagination. Jesus approaches. There are hundreds of people within his view in any given moment, and every one of them wants him to look their way, right? Imagine it. And then, and then Jesus spots this odd little man in the tree. Can you see it? What's the expression on Jesus' face? Surprise? Delight. Bewilderment. Jesus speaks. Hurry up and come down. I have to stay with you today. When Jesus says those words, what's the look on his face? Is he smiling? Come on down. Is he sincere? Is he intense? Now, okay, look at Zacchaeus' face now. He's just heard, can you, you know, 
come down because I, I need to stay with you. What's the expression on his face now? Shock. Terror. Flattery. Okay, now watch Jesus, uh, watch Zacchaeus tumble down out of the tree. Here's the one place the scripture describes a, a, a description, even if tiny. It says he's rejoicing as he comes. So when he gets to the ground, I want to know, is his tunic ripped? Did he cut himself? He's barreling down the tree? Did he ding his ankle a little bit, but he couldn't care less? Okay, one more thing, one more thing to imagine. The story says he stood there. Remember when I paused in the reading in the scripture? He stood there. Because he's had this encounter. So what's the look on his face when he gets to the bottom? Stunned? To toothy grin? Out of breath? And then he speaks. And I watch it, and I want you to imagine how long it took him to say this. It's kind of like several other places in scripture where we wonder how long Jesus waited, you know? Like between, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he says, nevertheless, not your, not my will, but yours be done. How long did he wait between those things? So how long, how long does he wait? Well, I don't know, but here's what he says. I'll give you half of what I own to the poor. And if I cheated anybody, I'll pay them back four times. Morning Star friends, what the people of your communities need to see in you is what Zacchaeus looked like and sounded like when he hit the ground. But there's no way you can look and sound like Zacchaeus unless when Jesus comes calling in your life, and says, hurry and come down, I need you today, you say, yes. Now, if that feels heavy, I want to remind you that Zacchaeus got changed from someone who turned the screws on his own people to benefit himself and their oppressors, right? That's what he was. He got changed from that into someone who was a happy and traveling light. You know, if you empty your pocket all that money, you're lighter. You know, the, the change from... One to the other sounds like a good deal to me. Anybody out there sound good to you? He was imprisoned by his greed and ambition, and Jesus set him free. That sounds like a good deal to me. Anybody out there imprisoned by your insistence that everything you have belongs to you? 
I'm sure that what you ache to see in each other and in those around you is what Zacchaeus looked and sounded like when he bounded out of the tree and stood before Jesus. And friends, if you model that, that new behavior of Zacchaeus, and you invite other people to model it with you, Morning Star Church can change the religious and spiritual landscape of Las Cruces. I believe it. And I hope you do too. And it's in the name of God that I've said this to you. Amen.